Welcome to the Vitality Health Show, where we inform you about the latest advancements in alternative health care and the best health and wellness solutions to benefit your body, mind, and spirit. Now, here's your host, Stephanie Parrish. Good morning, friends, and welcome to the Vitality Health Show. I am your host, Stephanie Parrish, along with my co-host, Doug Crockett, and we are the voice of hope, healing, and miracles. Doug, good morning. Good morning, Stephanie. I hope you're doing wonderful. <laughs> it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. We're loving it here. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Beautiful so, weather. It, it is. Right now, we're, we're getting word of not so good weather in the next few days, but we're, we're loving it now. <laughs> First of all, we want to thank our sponsors, The Mindful Lab with Christine Erickson, where you can find clarity, connection, and peace. You can find her at themindfullab.net. She is amazing, especially with young women. So if any of you have girls or children that are looking to really figure out what mindfulness is, give her a call at mindfullab.net. Check it out. Also, Sunshine Family Hemp, which is nature's side of health. Find them at sunshinefamilyhemp.com. We've used the product. We love the product. We, we use it all the time. It's a wonderful product. Sunshinefamilyhemp.com. Also, oils by Ellie featuring young living oils. There's an oil for that. We use a lot of essential oils. Oh, we brought bags of them, bags of them with us on our vacation. <laughs> I guess we love our oils. Find her at oilsbyelly at gmail.com. Also, we invite you to check out our own Doug Crockett's show on YouTube or any of the other social media networks. And it is called Heaven, or sorry, Miracles When Heaven Touches Earth. It is absolutely amazing. He's got, what, 50 plus shows now? Yep, Doug. we're over 50, yep. It's wonderful. On there, and they are yep. all shows about miracles, people's miracles, and yep. and the, they're just so beautiful. They're just short, simple, telling about just miracles that happen in people's lives, and yep. we just absolutely love it. And we get to, I love it when I they pop up and I get to listen to them. So go <laughs> on you. YouTube and look up miracles when heaven touches earth. Also, we want to remind you if you have any suggestions for us or any questions or anything we can answer or any miracles that you would like to share with us, please contact us at contact at myvitalityhealthsolutions with an S.com. We would love to hear from you. Now, without any further ado, we have been waiting very anxiously for this guest to come on. Yeah. So let me tell you a little bit about our guest. This is David Francis. You're going to just absolutely love him. He he um, doesn't even realize how tender he is to me because of situations that's happened with my husband, yep. with him. But David and his wife, Linda, live in Stillwater, Minnesota. They've been married for nearly 60 years. Congratulations. That's amazing. Um, they have been richly blessed with one son, John, and three daughters, Robin, Jocelyn, and Melissa, and six grandchildren. Francis is the executive director of the John Francis Foundation. That's going to come to play here just in a few minutes. You'll understand what that is from. John Francis Foundation, or JFF, a nonprofit organization with a mission to provide support and empowerment to families of people missing in the wilderness. I think mean, that's just an amazing, amazing thing you're doing. The foundation was created in 2007 to honor the memory and the ministry of their son, John Francis. David's 24-year-old son, John, went missing in July of 2006 while climbing and in the Sawtooth Mountains. I'm not going to go into a lot of this, David, because I want you to explain what happened. But I do want to tell you that David is a former submarine officer, retired from the U.S. Navy, 
Captain, thank you for your service. With over 30 years of Naval service, his business experience includes several years at 3M and at IBM in sales, marketing, and management at five high-tech technology startup companies in Minnesota. There's a whole bunch more to this. But I would really like you guys to hear his story because it's absolutely fascinating. And I'm just so grateful, David, for you. And Thank I'm going to, I, Thank you. John brought me my box of tissues, which I'm sure I'm going to need already because um, that's what the his, show is. That's what the show is all about. And when his yep. wife went missing, John's wife went missing, it was you guys that stepped in to help him find her. And there's, that's a whole nother story. But because of that, he was able to put closure to a very difficult, difficult situation in his life that he never, ever thought he would ever have to, <laughs> to deal with. Um, but I want to hear your story. Our listeners want to hear your story and how you're doing this. And I do want people to know this is a nonprofit foundation. And so, John, as we get or David, as we get going, I'd like you to tell how they can get hold of you. If anybody would like to be a part of this or make donations or whatever it is that that they would like to do. So as we get going, before we take our first break, all of our listeners out there, I would like you to get your pen and paper ready to go, because we're going to ask David to give us the information of how to get hold of him and his foundation, because what you're doing is absolutely remarkable. So, David, I'm going to turn it over to you and stop talking because <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear your story. Great to have you, David. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to talk about John and, and his our foundation. Uh, Linda and I uh, were blessed with three daughters in five years when I was on active duty with the Navy. So, hi, honey, I'm home. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we'd been married 20 years. And uh, this is a true story. Linda (laughs) said, let's try one more time for a boy. I responded with, honey, I'm really happy being the father of three daughters. She said, no, let's try one more time. So, at 37, as the kids say these days, Linda and I were pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Our daughters at the time uh, were 16, uh, 14, and 11. Oh, wow. Melissa, our youngest daughter, when Linda announced she was pregnant, Melissa started to cry. <laughs> she thought a 37-year-old woman could not possibly survive childbirth. Uh, that's kind of scary for a child, yeah. Yeah. So, March fifth, nineteen eighty-two, uh, John Jonathan David Francis was born. The son that we held in our heart for twenty-two years was born, mm. and uh, we had his name picked out for twenty-two years. Linda and I were high school sweethearts, and we actually. Oh picked out the names of our children when we were in high school, and we agreed our first born son would be Jonathan David. Strong Old Testament names, Jonathan. Very much. Gift from God, and David means beloved. So beloved gift from God, Jonathan David Francis. 
Uh, when he was 13 at the dinner table, he said, Dad, I don't want to be called Jonathan anymore. Call me John. I said, that's J-O-N, no H. He said, yes, call me John. So we, we did. <laughs> Great. Uh, so that leads me to the uh, website. It's J-O-N, Francis, F-R-A-N-C-I-S, foundation.org. Uh, J-O-N, short for Jonathan, francisfoundation.org. So... John, gosh, I was almost 40 years older than my son, John, and I was just could not believe that he wanted to spend time with me, but he did. <laughs> we bonded. I was his soccer That's coach great. for six years, and he tolerated. <laughs> and uh, Father, son, I love it. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, gave, uh, he gave me a great career we uh, his team made it to the state minnesota soccer tournament <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> uh, and uh john and i went wilderness camping when he was eight years old up in uh, northern minnesota the boundary waters canoe area and that's when i first noticed his love with the wilderness i could see it mm -hmm. And that love grew, and his love for God, and his sense of call to the ministry. So, Beautiful. he went to, we raised him in the Episcopal Church. I, I converted to the Episcopal Church when Linda and I were married. Uh, I was raised in the Baptist Church. When I asked her to marry me, she said, I will, but you have to become an Episcopalian. <laughs> <laughs> That means I have to learn how to spell it, right? <laughs> I learned how to spell Episcopalian and went through a, a confirmation process. So John was uh, baptized, confirmed, and raised in the Episcopal Church. He went to a Lutheran college in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And when he was a senior, he called me and said, hey, Dad. I've decided to become a Lutheran. <laughs> I said, I couldn't resist. I said, John, you'll still be a Christian, won't you? He said, yes, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why the Lutheran Church? He said, I'm just excited about the youth ministry mm. in the Evangelical Lutheran Church, and I want to be a part of it. So after graduation from college, he got his first job out in Ogden, Utah, as youth minister at Ascension Lutheran Church. Mm. We raised him in Ascension Episcopal Church in Stillwater. He got his first job at Ascension Lutheran in Ogden, Utah. John was spending his third summer as a camp counselor at Luther Heights Bible Camp in Idaho, near Ketchum. Mm -hmm. He loved, he loved being a youth minister and uh, helping create faith formation of young children. He loved, he loved what he was doing. That's awesome. That's beautiful. He also fell in love with the Western Mountains. Yep. And, and became an accomplished uh, 
mountain climber. He was also uh, a uh, state champion, uh, national champion runner, cross country and track. So he was ultra fit. John had climbed, we found out, after he went missing, that John had climbed most of the peaks and the sawtooths and the white clouds um, in Idaho. What we didn't know is he was climbing tall mountains by himself. Mm-hmm. He was going solo, which too many wilderness trekkers do. They go out solo. Linda said afterwards, if she'd known he was going out solo, he she would have grounded him. <laughs> it's hard to do when they're independent, right. though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah, it's hard to ground a twenty-four-year-old. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I was in the middle of my political campaign for the Minnesota State Senate when we received a call on July 16th, 2006 from the camp director at Luther Heights that our son John had failed to show up at the Sunday morning staff meeting. Mm -hmm. Custer County Sheriff had called out a search party. So I had to repeat the message to Linda twice. And we fell into deep despair and hugged each other and cried. And I told the camp director that uh, we were on our way to Idaho to help search for our son. So we arrived in Boise, uh, took a car ride up to uh, Stanley on a lonely, windy road and met up with the sheriff in the search party uh, for the uh, second day of their search. So, wow. John, can I, or David, can I stop you for just a second? I'm just trying to wrap my head around getting that phone call. Yes. Because you know what your son's like. You know he's he's this avid hiker. You know he he would never miss the anything with the church with the kids. Very healthy, strong, in good shape. Yeah. Mentioned, yeah. And to get that phone call, I mean, what did what did it feel like? Did it feel like it was not even real? Almost like what what did you go through at that moment? Was your faith challenged? Was your well? I mean, just what happened? It was real. It felt real, and it was devastating. Uh, it's uh, it's the parents' worst nightmare when you yeah. get a call that your uh, child is missing. So, uh, we were living the nightmare. So it was hot. We were at the shore of Redfish Lake watching the searchers and the sheriff Uh, lead a search. By three in the afternoon, I was finally getting clear-headed, and I went to the uh, search manager, and I said, has anybody been to the summit yet? This was uh, three o'clock in the afternoon. They said no. I said, send somebody to the summit. Mm. 
So some mountaineers, Sawtooth Mountain Guides, volunteered. They took the sheriff's boat across the lake, made the summit in three hours, and uh, found a three-by-five card in the summit registry. It's an old ammunition box up on the summit of the Grand Mogul, and inside was John's card. So we finally knew that uh, John had made the summit, and that was his last known position. Okay. Uh, kind of like a register up there, those who completed the summit. Okay. Uh, at the end of the second day of, well, actually at the end of the first day of the search, the deputy sheriff came to me and said, you need to think about giving your son up to the mountain. I said, no, you find it. You continue searching. Well, after day two, they came to us and said, you need to give your son up to the mountain. And they packed up and rode out of town. Mm. So we were abandoned by law enforcement, the public sector. Our son was missing. Wow. We, uh, you can't hardly handle the hope. We still found the hope that he was still alive. So we we were devastated feeling helpless and hopeless. The not knowing has got to be the ultimate worst. Yes. The not knowing, you've got to have closure and you can't have closure if you just walk away and get, like you said, give them up to the mountain. We learned learned in working with families of missing people over the last 16 years that it's uh, unresolved loss. And it leads to uh, mental distress. Oh, totally. For sure. PTSD. Very much. Very much. It's a mental health crisis. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So we refused to give our son up to the mountain. Uh, People were streaming into Idaho. Friends of John, his running partners, his camp partners, friends from Minnesota, friends from Idaho across the country. So with the help of my son-in-law, Jocelyn's husband, Doug, who had wilderness experience, we started organizing searches on the mountain. Uh, We created teams. I interviewed people. I'm I'm in deep grief, distress, and I'm interviewing volunteers. Mm. We were creating search teams and sending people up on the mountain to search for John. Uh, We did that for about four days when a friend from Minnesota sent us an an actual certified experience search manager. Mm. Actually, Mm. two of them. So our first search map was drawn with my granddaughter, Audrey's crayons. Oh, it was really? a color-coded search map. Wow. Okay. Uh, so the uh, acting governor of Idaho flew in to meet with us mm-hmm. and told us that we needed to shut this search down. We were going to injure people. Mm-hmm. Hard decisions, yes. I said to the governor, 
if you're not going to search for our son, if the sheriff's not going to search for our son, we are. So he said his piece and he left and we continued searching. So a lot of strength there. Lots of strength. That's great. Eventually, uh, we started getting dog teams that were coming in. Generally, uh, search units, SAR units, need uh, authorization from the sheriff. We were not getting authorization from the sheriff, and we're not getting any resistance. So uh, dog teams started coming in, so we actually started deploying search dogs. Now, David, these are all volunteers, right? That were They're just brought in from your requests or different people's requests. People just started flocking in to help, correct? Hundreds of people over Hundreds. the years came into Idaho to help us find our son. That's wonderful. They're yeah. all volunteers. Uh, so we got professional, we got safe, we got organized. Uh, but after 40 days, when uh, winter came to the Sawtooths in October, it was unsafe to put people or dogs on the mountain. Yeah. So we had to close it down. That was, that was gut-wrenching. Uh, 40, 40 days? Did I hear that right? My goodness. Yeah, that's kind of biblical. And nothing. It? Wow. Yeah, it is. It is. There's a Very biblical. There. Yep. So... We came back to Minnesota and started working on the, the spring search. So we brought in May of 2007, uh, we brought in more dogs, more people. Uh, the dogs didn't find John, but they gave us important clues. Hmm. And the important clue was it looked like John had fallen into one of six crevices on the north face of the Grand Mogul the most difficult and hazardous descent off the mountain. We also had interviewed uh, John's hiking partner. So uh, we knew we had uh, really strong evidence where John was, but uh, people and dogs couldn't go in there. So we asked the Sawtooth Mountain Guides to uh, rappel with ropes and harnesses into the crevices yeah well uh i'll never forget that conversation the leader uh said to me david my boys are exhausted he called his his staff boys i said i know eric we all are but we need one more mission from you so they did it they went up on the mountain in July of 2007 with ropes and harnesses and repelled into the crevices. On the way back to their camp, one of their searchers uh, caught sight of a shiny object, a buckle from John's backpack and nearby they found John's skeletal remains. Mm. It was July 24th, 2007. Uh, after a year and a week. Holy cow. So that brought resolution to us. Uh, I avoid the term closure. Closure is for bank accounts, not love accounts. <laughs> mm. 
Mm. What we strive for is resolution to our grief and wants. So we were able to uh, gather John's remains and lay him to rest back home in Stillwater uh, the fall of 2007. David, can I ask you a question here? One thing that was coming to my mind is when you had to call that off in the winter, because we're from Idaho, we know what the winters are like, I am. And once they hit, they hit hard. Were you afraid or were you concerned at all that evidence or trails or things would be masked or you wouldn't be able to find it, it would wash them away? Did that come to your mind that you would have a problem picking back up the trail in, in the spring? Yes. And, uh, I was, I was filled with a sense of hopelessness that we would ever find our son because Mm -hmm. it was a well-resourced, well-led search for 40 days with hundreds of, of people, dozens of dogs, but uh, we didn't give up. We, uh, we came back in the spring of 2007 for more searching. And you're mentioning the dogs were able to do a lot of benefit, to at least give you a direction as to where he may have been. And that's when you started thinking about those crevices. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, I became introduced and appreciative of uh, search dogs and their capabilities to uh, uh, detect uh, small scent mm. at, at distances. Sure. Uh, and uh, the dog, uh, we, I was, I was actually with the dog handler that day. Uh, and we just, uh, we got into scree, which is deteriorated granite and the dog was slipping and we were slipping and we wanted to go higher, but we couldn't. Okay. So we knew that we needed to send in mountaineers in that area okay which we did okay so after john's funeral linda and i were were uh coping with our grief and loss i was in uh, grief therapy and attending grief meetings uh and a friend of ours uh suggested uh, that we uh, start a foundation Don or John's memory and ministry. Uh, and so we did with a mission to uh, help other victims, other families who have a missing loved one in the wilderness and are abandoned by the public sector, by law enforcement, which happens uh, far too often. Mm. So we launched the John Francis Foundation. And uh, over 16 years, we've, we've uh, led, conducted 28 on-the-ground on the searches. 2,800? 28, yeah. 28, no. okay. 28. Okay. 28 on-the-ground searches. On-ground searches, okay. Uh, we've managed to recover uh, uh, the remains of 10 loved ones, including wow. them, so. Okay. It's hard work. Yeah. Uh, we uh, were blessed with uh, lots of volunteers and uh, search units, canine units who come to work with us. That's great. 
Oh, that is fantastic. Well, we're going to get ready to take our first break because I want I want to stop right there. My mind is just kind of going crazy with all these questions I've got written down here. Yeah. So, um, and I so I so appreciate you taking the time and sharing that with us because me as a mother, I can't even imagine what it'd be like to not know where my child was. Mm-hmm. That would just be the most horrible, horrific feeling. It is. So when we come yeah. back, I want to talk a little bit more about, about how you and, and your wife, because, you know, I'm a woman, I know how emotional I get and different things. And I also wanted to, to talk a little about your military training and how any of that came into play with what you were doing. So we're going to go ahead and take our first break. We'll be back in about two minutes. Stay tuned. You want to hear the rest of the story. Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Learn more about the products and equipment discussed by Stephanie and her guests on the show by visiting MyVitalityHealthSolutions.com. We've done the research for you and selected proven, high-quality brands at competitive prices from companies you can trust. Drugs and surgery are not your only options. Discover the exciting alternative therapies and health and wellness products that are helping people to reclaim their health and enjoy a higher quality of life. That's MyVitalityHealthSolutions.com. Hi, this is Ellie Meadows with Young Living Essential Oils. I invite you to skip the stress of the holidays this year and let Young Living take care of all of your gift-giving needs, from soothing bath bombs to delicious seasonal oil blends. Looking to make some extra money for the holidays? I'm currently accepting new team members who will have the exclusive opportunity to grow their business under the leadership of Jack Canfield, one of the top success coaches in America. For more information, find me on Facebook or Instagram under Oils with Ellie, that's E-L-L-I-E, or email me, oilswithellie at gmail.com. Isn't it interesting how we can be physically disconnected from others and yet be personally affected by the change and confusion of the world around us? We want moments of clarity and peace, and we need to feel connected to others in positive ways. A mindfulness practice can help decrease stress, increase feelings of well-being, and help us be more connected to those around us. To find out how mindfulness can do all this, go to mindfullab.net. You'll find tools and resources to start your mindfulness journey today at mindfullab.net. If you're looking for the highest quality CBD products on the market, visit sunshinefamilyhemp.com. Sunshine Family Hemp is a family-owned business located in the mountains of northern Utah. Our full-spectrum oral and topical products contain no artificial ingredients and are third-party tested by a DEA-certified lab. Online ordering is easy, and we ship nationwide. Sunshine Family Hemp has been in business since 2019 and is legally certified at both the state and federal level. Visit sunshinefamilyhemp.com today. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Listening to the Vitality Health Show with Stephanie Parrish. If you have a question for Stephanie or her guest, please email contact at myvitalityhealthsolutions.com. Now, back to the Vitality Health Show. Welcome back, friends. We are having a very, very interesting, intense conversation with David Francis. I was introduced to him through my dear, sweet husband, and David has 
we got quite the story. We've just been talking about this, but mm -hmm. um, again, I want to tell you, David, thank you for your service. He was 33 years active in reserves. He was a Navy captain. He's been all over, except that um, they find he stayed on the East Coast, they said, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. But his son, John, Jonathan, and I love that because that's my brother's name, but Jonathan David Francis disappeared in 2006, correct? Yes. July 15th. July 15th. He was hiking in the, the Sawtooth Mountains in Idaho, and they only worked for a couple days searching for him, and then they called off the search without finding him. So David and his family jumped into action as they would. You can imagine being a grieving parent and not allowing them to tell you what's going to happen with your child being given up to the mountain. And I'm sorry, I'm trying to keep the tears back here. Cause I just, as a parent, I can't even imagine what that would have been like when somebody said, sorry, you're, we're not looking anymore. Only after that many days, you know, it's like you find my child. <laughs> you know? It's so, hard enough when you know the result, when they've passed away, that's hard right. enough. But when you're left in limbo, not understanding what's occurred, that, doubly, triply difficult. I, I can understand that. Yeah, the not knowing. Doug's lost his daughter. I lost my husband last year. Mm -hmm. um, then I was able to meet John. We, we know the loss, but the, the disappearance and the loss would be just unbelievable. Unreal. Yeah. Yep. And, yep. and what you did, David, with, along with your wife and the people around you was just gathered people that could help. And even the governor of Idaho told you, stop looking. <laughs> You're like, sure. no. So my question, one of my questions, I've got a whole list of questions, but one of them was where in your military training, do you think that this came to play in no way you're not going to do this? You're going to, you're going to find your son. Did that play in anything? Do you think? Absolutely. Uh, one of the, uh, in fact, our first dog handler came from South Dakota. His uh, border collie named Shania. And uh, he was the first to arrive. He turned out to be a Navy corpsman. That's a medic in the Navy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had cut my leg on a rock, so Jim Hanley started uh, administering first aid on my bloody leg and he told me uh he knew that i was retired navy he said i i'm a corpsman i said wonderful he said you're at battle stations aren't you i said yes jim i am i was at battle stations for a year and a week yeah i had a mission yep my mission was to find my son and to find the resources in the organization to execute a successful search for my son. The first week was gut-wrenching. One of the things we learned is that a missing person in the wilderness who's not seriously injured but has a source of water can survive for up to two weeks. Mm -hmm. Wow. So yeah. yeah. When the sheriff and the posse rode out of town after two days, in my mind, my son could still be alive and could be up there on the mountain injured waiting for us to find him right. and still be alive. Sure. So, and every time that's happened to a family, 
uh, I'm reminded how awful that is when law enforcement abandons a search. Uh, and uh, it angers me because it happens much too often. Mm, yeah. Well, so you have to kind of force it along. Say, I appreciate what you've done, but we're not even close to finishing our exasperating all of our resources to try and move something forward. So I can understand that feeling. Thank you. And that, that was kind of what I was thinking because there's, there's people, you know, this, people tell you to give up. You can't give up right. you have to find your child, you know, or, or your loved one or, or somebody that you matters to you. And right. there's a lot of, did you go through any other backlash besides the, besides the public <laughs> people that are supposed to be protecting us, mm. you know, and the, and the, the higher ups in the Congress and the, the governor, did you have any other backlash from other people saying, what are you doing? You know, let it go. Uh, not a whole lot. There were some uh, mean social media postings like uh, your son was stupid for climbing alone, that sort of thing. But <laughs> right. Uh, right. Uh, millions of uh, wilderness trekkers go out alone. Yeah. Right. In Idaho, common. we it's see them alone all the time. It's common. Right. Yeah. Right. And dangerous. Very, very. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you always should have somebody else with you, but, but well, you know, when you're, when you think you can handle it. When I climbed my first, I climbed my first mountain, Timpanogos, and I asked my brother to take me there because A, not that I was necessarily scared. Well, I was like, I, I don't want to, I don't know how to go up there. You've been up there before. Yep. Okay. Then you take me up there. Okay. So it was just pure. Uh, I need help beyond what I knew I couldn't do, yeah. but the courage uh, to do that. Is, and there were lots of people that were going up there. Some guys were running up there. Some guys were summoning twice that day. So there's a lot of real high level um, athletes and strength people and mountaineers that do that kind of stuff. So I can understand why you're it, was, it, was, it was a difficult climb. I, I made it to the summit of the Grand Mogul twice searching for John. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I benefited from years of running. John, John was a runner. I was a runner. We, we ran a few races together. That's great. Remember, uh, one morning we got up early because most races are early. We ran a 10-kilometer a race together. Uh, John finished second. He he could not pass the elite German runner who came in first. <laughs> <laughs> and John was in at the finish line. I think I finished about a hundredth place. And he greeted me and he said, "Dad, I didn't expect you back so soon." <laughs> oh. That's a great phrase. I like that. <laughs> That's awesome. That is. I love that. So, um, David, you were telling us that you have done 28 different searches for people, correct? We have. That's on the ground recruiting resources, working with the family. Uh, over the last 16 years, we've spoken uh, one degree or another with uh, 40 families. Mm. Uh, some of them, uh, said, uh, actually one woman said, uh, my husband's in a beautiful place. I'm going to leave him there. So some people didn't want to search others. We were just not able to 
put together the resources, but we've uh, organized and led 28 on the ground searches with uh, people and dogs. And are those all in the United States? We did one in Canada. Actually, our second one was in Canada. Really? Wow. That's a long ways to go, but you know, people really cool disappear all over. That's yeah. So of the 28, you were telling us, how many were you able to recover and find? Ten. Ten of them. Ten of them. So at some point in time, you have to decide to call off a search. How and do you make is, that decision? And that is hard. That is hard when when we uh, realize that we've expended the resources uh, and uh, are unable. We did we didn't have the clues or the resources to pursue. Uh, and there's always a possibility of abduction, like our, our search last month in the Yurok Indian Reservation in Northern California, there's a possibility of abduction that mm. the missing woman, Emily Risling, is is really not alongside the Klamath Rivers, but it's always hard disengaging with the family. Mm. Uh, I dread it. I dread it every time. Uh, but they bless us. The, the families bless us. I was surprised at first. They said, David, thank you for trying. Thank you for coming. Thank you for surrounding us with support, and thank you for trying. You have to be a miracle in their lives because Absolutely. you've been there. You know what that's like when you have to be told, we can't do anymore. So you have been there. It's and, hard. Yeah, it's hard. I can only imagine. It's hard. I can imagine from a family's point of view. A lot of miracles occurred in your searches, I'm sure, just like even with your son, just finding the clues that you can find. Those are all blessings and miracles along the way just to keep things moving forward. You're right. You know what the top miracle is? We haven't had an injured or lost searcher. Right. In the hundreds that we've put into the wilderness. Wow. That's Except great. for your leg, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, in the first week searching for John, one of the volunteers slipped and needed six stitches in his head. But that, that was the one and only injury we've had. Wow. Okay. That is a miracle. That is a miracle when people are up there really putting their lives in danger, doing things that and, – yep. and luckily that a lot of them were, were trained – but some of them weren't. I'm sure there's there's volunteers that go out all the time that aren't trained to do this to do this kind of stuff. But how awesome that that and really is a miracle. A and I think that's a key. Our our searches have certified, experienced searchers and dogs, and they're led by qualified search managers. We're currently using uh, two uh, retired national park rangers as our search manager. Oh, very cool. Okay. So very they know, cool. They know how to search for missing people and do it safely. So. Right. Right. And that's huge. That is absolutely just, just a huge situation. So John, how or David, I keep saying John, because I'm 
my husband, John, and your son, John. Half the, pe- half the people at my church call me John. I'm okay with that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's good. That's great. Well, you're going to get it because I've got John right in front of me, the John Francis yep, yep, Foundation. Yep. <laughs> right here in front of me. So stop looking. Um, no, what I want to ask you is how do people get involved if they want to be part of this with you? Because it's volunteer, right? It's volunteer. It is. But uh, – one of the things we do as a foundation, because we're blessed with, uh, with uh, generous donors and a few foundation, is we pay the searchers for their travel, lodging, and meals. I was just taken aback in Idaho when we were searching for our son. They said, well, we work for free. And I said, you're kidding me. Don't you, doesn't law enforcement pay you for travel, lodging, and meals? No, we work for free. So we made the commitment as a foundation, we would reimburse our searchers for their travel, lodging, and meals. And that, that helps us uh, gather resources. Sure. Right. Sure. Because there's a lot of people that love to do it, but they're just not financially or in a position to, to do it. Yeah, right. especially when they're traveling great distances. Right. Certainly. Yeah. Right. Their hearts are good, but they just need the last little, They're the most little push. Search and rescue people are the most selfless, generous people that I've ever met. Yep. Uh, Beautiful. But we're blessed with uh, experienced certified searchers, and we reimburse them for their expenses. That's fantastic. There was, uh, you're saying there was one that you found that, that did survive. Is that correct? Uh, well, uh, nine, of, nine of the 10 we recovered remains. One was found alive in Kauai. Okay. That, that'd be a wonderful experience, a beautiful yeah. uh, surprise, blessing, wonderful. How long, you said it was a, a female, right? Female. I think she was in the, in the jungle. It was pretty much jungle in Kauai for about eight days. I'd have to look at, at the case. Mm. Well, well, that's, that is, that's awesome. I can just imagine the family. I'm just, I keep thinking yeah. about the family, you know, being on, being on the other end. One, being able to say, yes, we found the remains of your loved one and you can, you can bury them and you can, you can, as you said, not have closure, but have resolution. And that's it. important to families, that resolution. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because uh, they don't know where their loved one is. They don't know what happened and they can't lay them to rest. So resolution right. gives them that. I, uh, <clears throat> I appreciate that. I remember hearing a story some years ago where um, a father was with his son up in the mountains, a teenage uh, scouting kind of a trip, and uh, he needed the son wanted to go back to camp and he said, which direction, which trail am I going to follow? And so the father kind of pointed, that's the trail that you follow. And then he never saw him again. And uh, it's, those are hard experiences and teaching moments when you think, okay, point or help them walk there, take them there kind of a thing to avoid these kinds of difficulties. In, uh, in Minnesota, we have a uh, University of Minnesota professor, Dr. Pauline Boss. 
She's an expert. It's called ambiguous loss. She's written books about it. Mm. And uh, she came out to speak at one of our fundraisers. So unresolved loss, ambiguous loss, uh, it is uh, mentally debilitating. Mm -hmm. It's a mental health crisis, depression, PTSD. Uh, so uh, she's actually, she actually devoted a chapter, God bless her, to the John Francis Foundation. Mm -hmm. That's what we do. That's our mission to resolve unresolved loss. That's, that's amazing. It, <laughs> it really is amazing. So where do you, how do you put the word out that if somebody's called you and it's got to be a little bit of every time you get one of those calls, those memories come back of this is, this is what we went through. So how can we help these people? Do you, do you find that that happens each time you get a call? I, uh, let me give you the latest example. Uh, Emily Risling uh, went missing in the Yurok Indian Reservation, Northern California on the Klamath River in October. I received a call from a tribal member. Uh, she said, David, I heard about the John Francis Foundation on TikTok. And I said, oh my God, we're on TikTok. <laughs> She said, yes, a, a dog handler talked about the John Francis Foundation. Okay. <laughs> said, my friend Emily has gone missing. Would you help find her? And so I went into investigative mode. I wanted to understand. There was a lot on the Internet, a lot of press. So I uh, thank God for uh, thank God for the Internet. Well, it's mm. a two-edged sword. Sometimes. Yeah, two-edged sword. It is. <laughs> so true. Much power, much responsibility. Yes. All right. So I got the names of law enforcement, called them, called the family, and they agreed to work with us to bring the John Francis Foundation in. So, and then uh, we gather information. Where was she last seen? What happened in the volunteer search? Uh and uh, we flew out there in April and joined up with uh, tribal and county resources. And uh, the state of California has a centralized search dog service oh. called CARTA. So I got, the, uh, I got the phone number and I dialed it and the receptionist said, uh, good morning, office of, of the governor of California. <laughs> how can I wow. how can I direct your call? <laughs> I said I would like to speak to your director of emergency management. So she routed my call and I got his deputy. I said, uh, David Francis with the John Francis Foundation, I want to organize a search on the Yurok Indian Reservation. Can you help me? He said, Yes, we can. Just have the county sheriff make a call out. So we were able to get 10 highly certified experienced dog and dog handlers from the state of California. So uh, it's like following the yellow brick road, talking to the stakeholders, talking to the family. 
and then putting the puzzle pieces together to actually put boots and paws on the ground for a search. Okay. Did that answer your question? Well, yes, that's, that's, that's absolutely an incredible program. And, and I, for one, want to thank you through my husband, John, and what you did for him and his family and the, the many other families out there. And I guess I really would want our listeners to understand to don't give up hope. Hmm. There's, there's hope out there. You've got to have hope and you've yep. got to have, have hope in whatever healing that is. And if it's finding resolution or if it's being able to turn them over to the mountain right. <laughs> or whatever that looks like, if you've re- if you have used all of your resources and, and to keep that faith in God, that's so, so vital to keep faith in God. Cause you know, if they have passed, he's there with them. Yep, <laughs> you know, right. I mean, what, like the one lady that you had mentioned, she knows he's in a better place and, you know, and that that's a piece for her, but the resolution is so important and that's what you guys are out there doing. So I want to thank you for that. You're welcome. Very, very much yes, for that. Thank and, you very much. And will you tell us again how the best way to get hold of you? And if anybody out there that's listening knows of somebody that's missing or hears of somebody that's missing, and you do regular searches, not or you can guide somebody if it's not just a wilderness search, correct? Right. Uh, well, we're fueled by faith, hope, and charity. You bet. And well said. Uh, donors can log on to johnfrancisfoundation.org. Again, J-O-N-O-H, short for Jonathan, John Francis Foundation at O-R-G, and donate online. Uh, We use a service called Give Men, Give Minnesota, here in in Minnesota, so they can donate online uh, on our website. That's awesome. Beautiful. Or if they would prefer to write checks, they can write a check and mail it to our address, post office box, 2235 Stillwater, Minnesota, 55082. The address is on our website. Awesome. So go to that website, John, J-O-N, johnfrancisfoundation.org, and please donate. Please see what you can do to help. It takes a village. They always say it takes a village, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it takes a whole nation and more to be able to find these people and and be able to put that, get resolution to your, to what's happening. So again, we're done with time. I could talk to you for so long and I don't want you to go anywhere, but we've got to, we've got to wrap up the show now. So again, David and your lovely wife, Linda, please tell her how much we appreciate letting you come on here and you coming on here and to your beautiful daughters and for helping my sweet husband in his search. And again, Thank you so much. And everybody, make sure that you're out there listening. If you've got some, need some help, reach out to the johnfrancisfoundation.org and have a very safe and happy, healthy week. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Vitality Health Show. 
Be sure to tune in next Thursday for another informative show with Stephanie Parrish and leading health and wellness experts. That's Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a wonderful, healthy week. Statements made and information provided on this program are for educational purposes only. They have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and products discussed on this program are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The Vitality Health Show is not responsible for any misunderstandings or misapplication of information presented in this show. 